This is Hacker Public Radio episode 3107 for Tuesday the 30th of June 2020. Today's show is entitled Generating Comfortable Passwords. It is hosted by CRVS and is about 30 minutes long and carries an explicit flag. The summary is Generating Passwords to be Comfortably Typeable. This episode of HPR is brought to you by archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to archive.org forward slash donate. This is CRVS for Hacker Public Radio, and I'm uh, gonna talk about today. Uh, I'm gonna talk about password generation. So recently, I had to change a password, and uh, given to the, given the fact that I was sort of um, prompted to change it not long after uh, having changed it in the first place, it seems like this is a password that. Uh, should be discardable and um, one reason why I wouldn't want to use a password manager for this is that it is actually the password I need to use to log into a laptop that is issued by my employer and so I um, it is a password that I need to know and need to be able to type and uh, so uh, I wanted a way of generating passwords that are uh, nice to type in a way. Um, there are many ways of doing this uh, and uh, I just wanted to set out and uh, do it by myself really. And um, so I started with um, started with a template um, which is uh, having a bunch of letters and uh, followed by a bunch of numbers and um, so that was uh, version one of the um, that version one of my pa- of my password generator uh, would have a, a six letter password followed by an eight le- an eight num- digit number uh, uh, and so I did this fairly uh, quickly in Python, just uh, import random, um, set a variable letters that contains the letters from A to Z, uh, all lowercase, and then uh, I set a password um, a list, I set, I set my password as a list of characters in this case, and then uh, just do a simple loop for I in range 6, I append uh, uh, to password a random choice from my array of letters and then uh, I append a random choice from uh, the numbers from the number the 
digit string from uh, 0 to 1 to 9. And that is it. In the end, I just do the join. Uh, and this sort of was a very simple uh, generation. Uh, however, uh, it um, it generated passwords that were not necessarily particularly easy to type. Uh, one thing that you notice that you notice quite quickly is that it generates these passwords. So, if you're um, generating your, if you're using, for example, Vorek, one of the things that Vorek is optimized for is that in English it will uh, have um, mm, it will most of the time alternate uh, hands so when you're typing in, typing in English you type one letter with your left hand, one letter with your right hand, so on and so forth um, for a good chunk of, um, of words and uh, so I wanted to sort of use that and so I went on and did another version of my uh, password uh, script and uh, let me just switch to that yeah so and this one is much simpler uh, I mean it's not much simpler it's exactly the same thing except now I uh, sort of enforce this uh, one left hand right hand and the way I do that is just I type all the characters out uh, in uh, an array or in a string called lefts and then all the characters out in the string called rights and these are the characters that are in the left hand and the characters that are in the right hand um, and other than that the the loops are all the same. Uh, still six letters followed by uh, eight uh, eight digits, and um, and then uh, you just take uh, your and then within the loops you just do this. Um, if the if uh, it's the you iterate six times, right? And you have your first, second, second third, fourth, etc. To the sixth iteration. And uh, if the if you're in an odd iteration, then you take your uh, I guess you you take your left your characters from the left hand, and if you're in an even iteration, you take your characters from the right hand, and then you do the same for the numbers. Again, you sort of split them from which side of the keyboard they fall on. Um, and then finally, you join that all of that into a string. So that was the second version, uh, and then I noticed. Uh, uh, let me see if I noticed it already for the third version. So let me just go and check the third version because this this went I think into the fourth version or fifth. I'm done. I'm not sure. I will we'll see in a second. Amazing production value going on here. Anyway, uh, so on the third version. One thing that is kind of uh, you end up noticing is that as you're splitting this into left hand, right hand, and you have this strict, uh, this um, not strict, but like you have this rigid structure of going uh, going from one hand, another hand, one hand, another hand, and then uh, and then the numbers, uh, you end up being able to sort of. Um, you reduce the complexity of the password quite a lot because uh, this is a 14-letter, uh, a 14-digit uh, password. So, uh, if I'm not mistaken, so yes, six plus eight—that is 14. 
but um, it is actually just uh, three letters from each hand and we know where they are and four digits from each hand and we know where they are so that is uh, a much much lower number of um, of combinations that can be made or actually so sort of each of these elements uh, is well delimited where they are so and so you have like a combination of uh, so many combi so many combinations of uh, right hand of left hand um, characters so many combinations of uh, right hand non digit characters so many combinations of left hand digit characters and so many combinations of left hand non digit characters uh, digit character right hand non digit you get the picture so, uh, I uh, decided to sort of use an approach um, uh, that will try to maintain this uh, splitting into left and right hand and uh, digit and non-digit because once you go to the, to the digits, uh, so this, I don't use a numpad, I, and well if I used a numpad that would be a whole different uh, a whole can of worms uh, but um, so I use the, the digits uh, on top of the keyboard and uh, I use a Dvorak keyboard uh, and so what I do is when I split my digits uh, I instead of splitting my digits between uh, left and right I want to split my digits and non-digits between left and right, I want to split my digits and non-digits uh, between uh, rows of the, key of the keyboard and then left or right. And then I use those as states in a Markov model. And then uh, when I'm in a particular row... Okay, so, yeah. Moving backwards a bit. Uh, so... What I want to do is I want to eliminate this regularity and sort of have this regularity be there but not make it so uh, well defined that it is predictable. So I want this regularity to sort of be um, to appear there randomly so that it's mostly regular but some irregularities may appear. And uh, once you have these uh, and one way to get these uh, irregularities is to use a Markov model, and uh, here the 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 thing with the digits is that once you go to the digit row, you don't really want to go back because there you've, you've to get there you sort of uh, need to move your wrist a bit, and uh, like the other ones you sort of can you you sort of have your finger if you have your fingers your fingertips resting on the home row then you can sort of stretch your fingers a bit out and stretch your finger and uh, curl them up a bit and then you're in the top row, top non-digit row and the bottom uh, row quite easily. But if you go all the way up then there you have to move your wrist a bit so you don't want to go there. If you go there you want to stay there or you want to you know not be moving in, out, in, out, in, out all the time. So yeah, that's a lot of uh, talking uh, about this uh, little technicality. Uh, so yeah, so how do you go about uh, using a Markov model, or what is a Markov model? 
Um, I think Toturto has uh, spoken about this in a previous episode, and um, uh, they have, um, uh, yeah, they have done this in Haskell. Right now, I'm doing this in Python because it was sort of a quick and dirty job. So, what? Uh, yeah. So, what is a Markov model? It's uh, Basically, you can think of it as a finite automaton, uh, and the uh, best way of explaining a complicated uh, set of words, uh, a couple of words, is to introduce another complicated uh, couple of words. But imagine you have uh, some states, and these can just like be markers. You can sort of draw, draw a graph, and the mathematical sense of a graph, where you have nodes and edges between the pointing from one node to another. Um, in this case, it would be a complete graph. So every node, from every node, you have an edge to another node, and then this uh, edge is sort of a transition edge. It's tell, and then you weigh them, and they're dire it's directed. So you have an edge from A to B, and an edge from B to A, uh, using random letters. Um, yeah, alpha to beta, and beta to, and one from beta back to alpha. And then you weigh those edges with the probabilities that you do that particular transition. So, because this is a probability, they have to sum up to one. That that's like the only thing you really need to do uh, to ensure that you have your Markov model. You need that, and you need your initial assumption. Your initial assumption is going to be something that tells you where your um, where your uh, thing where you where your your system starts and um, okay but that's just a general representation so what are my states here my states in, uh, as I said before they're gonna be uh, rows uh, and left uh, rows of the keyboard and uh, left and right so um, and uh, yeah and basically you're gonna we're gonna put more what I do is I put more weight on the transitions from a left side to the right side uh, than from the left side to the, from rows on the left side to rows on the left side. And once we do that, now it's no longer necessary. It's no longer necessarily the case that from one row on the left side I will go to I will from one letter on the left side of the keyboard I will jump to a letter on the right side of the keyboard. Or that if I go to uh, if I switch to numbers now I will only type numbers or I will only type six numbers. I will I, now I no longer I'm no I no longer have these regularities that I was codifying in version two. So okay, I'll just walk through the code, and uh, now it would be would be a good time to look at the code in the show notes. That's version three. And um, it starts with this uh, L's list, and it's uh, um, L, capital L, uh, S. Um, and it's just a list where uh, each element is a string, and uh, as a string, it's just the letters in the uh, ith row of the... Um, the so it's, they're labeled L1, L2, L3, L4 r1, r2, r3, r4. And l1, l2, l3 are uh, 
the, the first three uh, rows of each of these sets, the L set and the R set, are the non-digit rows of the keyboard on the Dvorak keyboard starting from the top. And then the fourth row on each set, and so L stands for left, R stands for right, of course. And uh, the fourth row is just the digits. It's just the yeah the digits. So it's like one two three four five six for the left hand and seven eight nine zero for the right hand. Um, yeah, and the reason for this symmetry and why it's not five uh, five uh, one to five on the left and uh, f six to zero on the right, it's because I use an ultimate hacking keyboard which uh, has this uh, particular quirk when it comes to splitting your uh, your numbers that your six actually your yeah your number six actually falls on the left side, so you end up stretching your uh, um, left index finger a bit more than usual uh, but that's not that incon I, I, I kind of grew used to it anyway uh, after that there's a big uh, a big list of lists uh, that I decided to call capital A which just says the gives the transition probabilities so the on each row is the transition probability onto uh, another one of the other columns um, so the, on on row one, uh, the you have zero point zero three zero point zero three zero zero three zero zero one zero two seven zero two seven zero two seven zero zero nine. Okay, and these are the probabilities from uh, of transitioning from something uh, on the state on so on state on the first one so from L one. To L1, L2, L3, L4, R1, R2, R3, R4, respectively. Uh, and if you know, if you look at it, you'll see that the weights are larger on the R's, which means that you have a higher probability of going from the left hand to to the right hand. And if you go from the fourth row, from the fifth row onwards, you'll see that the same that it's in reverse you have a higher probability from going from the right hand to the left hand and this is how I codified this uh, idea that it should be easier to go from one to the other from the left hand to the right hand than um, then from it should be more normal to go from the left hand to the right hand than to, from the left hand from one key in the left hand to another key in the left hand and uh, another thing that uh, is that you can notice is that on rows four and uh, eight, uh, you will notice that it is the probabilities are highest in um, columns eight and four respectively. So once you get to a number, it's much more it's more common to stay within the numbers than without than move out of the numbers. And um, yeah, and that's just basically your uh, the idea behind this particular distribution. This was made by hand, um, and uh, version four takes care of making that a bit more uh, configurable. Uh, next comes pi, and pi is just the initial distribution, and uh, this distribution is just uh, higher on the home row. Basically, it's uh, 
L1. Ah, okay, so L1 is the home row, actually. Uh, and I guess, yes, L1 and R1 are the home rows in the respective keyboard halves. Yes, yes. So that's so this is just setting up the probabilities. And how do you actually, and this is the parameters of the Markov model, so how do you actually go about using these parameters? It's pretty, it's kind of easy. So, um, first you need to sample from these, know how to sample from a distribution. And uh, the way you do that is that you sample a point, uh, uh, a random number from zero, um, uniformly distributed number from zero to one. And then you get, you get the position at which your vector is uh, your vector, your array of uh, numbers. So, mm, okay, mm, backing up a bit. So, you have your number, your uh, array uh, with positions from 1 to 8, because there's 8 different um, row halves, that we call them row, I would call them row halves in this case. And uh, so they're, they're really states. So I have my eight different states. And uh, if I want to... Uh, so, and I have my probabilities of being in each state at each point in time. And I want to know what's the probability of, of going to another state. Then I take the corresponding row on the, on the matrix A. And I found what's the, uh, and I sort of sample from that distribution to go to the next state. Yeah, but again, I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, so yeah, how do you sample from a distribution? So the way to sample from one uh, discrete distribution like this is to produce the the, the CDF, cumulative density function. There we go. Yeah. Cumulative density function. Uh, cumulative density. Yeah, you could just produce the CDF of the distribution. That is, like, what's the probability of getting, of having uh, that your, um, if you sample from this distribution, uh, that you get a number that is smaller than one, or uh, smaller than two, or or like having so having. What's the probability of being the first state? being the first uh, one of the first two states, one of the first three states, so on and so forth. And to, then once you have this on, all you need to do is you generate a number from 0 to 1, and then you just find the number, the first number in the array that exceeds this number that you sampled. And this is what the function sample is doing. So first you take in your uh, distribution as uh, L, and then uh, you compute the partial sums, which is what I just described. Like you take the sum from. So what this does is like sum l uh, i to uh, colon i plus one, comma zero. That's like sum all the elements, uh, sum up all the elements from uh, zero to i plus one on the list l, and uh, start the sum with the z with a zero with zero. And then uh, I do this for L every i in uh, from zero to the length of L, so that I get every possible i. And then I take 
a uniform distribu uniformly distributed number, calling random.uniform0 to 1. And then for each, and then I just go over the distribution, the CDF, the L partial, and find the first element that is larger than U. And that's the, num the index of that element is the number I return from this function. Okay, to generate a password with this is quite simple. Oh, right, we're generating passwords. Yes, to generate a password, is, it's quite simple. Uh, we take an empty list and uh, we say that uh, uh, we first sample s to be from pi and then we add that to the password. Uh, well, we sample s from pi uh, and then we go into a loop where we Mm. Yeah, we go into a yeah we sample s so we never actually use the first state in this case, uh, but anyway we sample s from pi we go into a loop uh, once we're in this uh, once we're in this loop we sample s from the sth row of a, and then uh, uh, we append a number a uniformly uh, chosen number uh, from that particular. Uh, element of the else list. And then else stand for letters, by the way. Uh, and then once we've looped through that enough times, in this case I put here 20, we print, uh, we just do a print, we print the password. So and that's um, just uh, quotes.join and then the password list, which is just a list of uh, strings, and that will join it to, into one big string. And uh, finally, uh, I do away with this with the passgen version 4. Give me one second now. Okay, there's a password version 5 later. Hmm. What do I do differently in this one? Ah, right. In password version 4, what I did was uh, all the characters were um, lowercase so far, and I wanted to introduce some uppercases, and so in this case I just introduced, like, what's the probability of something being uppercase, and that's in line 30, it's up, that's 0.1, and so that 10% of the time a letter comes out uppercase, and um, the way to make that to make that happen is that we sample yet another number uniformly from zero to one, and if it's smaller than upper, then our, our probability of being an uppercase uh, letter, then uh, we uh, turn whatever character that is to an uppercase. Not that this also affects digits, but digits remain unaffected, really. Uh, and that's not a problem. And finally, version 5 is uh, the final version so far. Uh, and uh, give me a second. Okay, version 5. 
Version 5 uh, is basically the exact same thing as before, except that now no longer now the the matrices are no longer created. Uh, the matrix A and Pi are no longer create, written by hand. Um, what I did was just just define this uh, prob function ij in the, that is uh, that what defines the probability of going from state i to state j, which is uh, controlled by what's the probability by two by only two numbers, which is like the probability of going from hand a to, from left hand to right hand or right hand to left hand, controlled by a switch hand uh, variable and the probability of uh, switching character type going from non-digit to digit or digit to non-digit and uh, those are just numbers that are set at the top and then all the magic so to speak is done on the prob function uh, which just checks to see um, if i and j represent different hands or, or if state i and j are in are in different hands or if they're in different uh, character uh, types and um, then and then basically just makes it so that the the whole thing represents uh, valid uh, distributions and then we comp uh, compute a and we compute pi and now it pi is much simpler it's just the um, 1 over 8 um, Yeah, it's just 1 over 8 times uh, an array of 1s. And uh, yeah, everything else is computed exactly the same as for version 4, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I could do a diff, but I'm not gonna. Yeah, but those... that that was uh, my... Uh, and, and now basically this gives you a way of generating passwords that they're easy to write for if you're using Dvorak. Uh, if you're not using Dvorak, you can just change the else list, and uh, that will adapt to your keyboard. And uh, this generates passwords that are relatively nice to type because they're, you know, left, right, left, right, left, right. Maybe you don't want to do 20 characters, maybe you want to do less. Maybe you want to uh, put more weight on the. Um, maybe you want to get get rid of the digits. I don't know. I mean, the world is your oyster. But anyway, this is uh, this was just a fun little project, or not so much a fun, but sort of a necessity. Um, yeah, uh, well, a good excuse to use uh, Markov chains as usual. So yeah, that that was it for today. Uh, thank you for joining. Uh, remember to tune in tomorrow for another episode of Hacker Public Radio. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. 
Eka Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license. Thank you.